The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, friends. It is Afternoons with Mike, and on the line with me today on this special day of the anniversary of the overturning of Roe, I have on the line Marjorie Dannenfelser. It is so great to talk with you, Marjorie. She is the person responsible, according to the Los Angeles Times now, of bringing down Roe. Now, that's quite a moniker to be given there. Congratulations on that, Marjorie, and welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Now, you and I both know, Mike, that that is not possible, that only by the grace of God and an enormous movement and, and an army of organizers did that happen. But I I did have, I was blessed to, and I do have a role. Um, and it's I, and it's to really leverage the strong arm of the pro-life movement in, in elections, which was missing for quite some time, so that we had a pro-life Senate, a pro-life president, uh, that we had a pro-life Supreme Court that could hear the perfect case to overturn Roe. And when you list all of those things in succession, don't you think any one of those things sounds really, really hard? It, <laughs> so it's it, impossible. It's only, one, only one person could never do that, but I'd love to do it. It was a big, it was certainly a privilege. And again, I'm talking with Marjorie Dannenfelser, who is with the organization, the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. And, you know, that role that you played in, in particular that is being credited to you by the Los Angeles Times newspaper, I'm sure they said that with a little bit of disdain in their, in their speaking. <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm... <laughs> yes. One yeah, thing... I mean, in my experience, um, most media in L.A. is not thrilled to raise up the person who overturned Roe versus Wade. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I have found that when um, every once in a while, um, when you're telling the straight story, uh, even members of that that part of the media, um, it, it, they have to tell the story. It's hard not to tell the story. So they, they did a pretty good job. It was actually just a straight interview that they actually wrote what I said. Isn't that crazy? It is really crazy that they did that. And I know you were representing again uh, this very thing when you had an opportunity to voice uh, some thoughts and this position, which was heard, fortunately for all of America, by the president, President Trump, Mm -hmm. to receive this appeal about a pro-life Supreme Court justice. Uh, He really, you know, for all of the things that are said bad about the president, he really took to heart that battle, mm-hmm. didn't he? Oh, he did. And he understands what it means to make a commitment, abide by it, and then um, and then be proud of the consequences. So he made that commitment in writing uh, to me, for me to share with the whole pro-life movement and the voters in battleground states that if elected president, uh, he would he would appoint only pro-life um, judges uh, and then other things that matter to the pro-life movement also signing a limit. Uh, in Congress, uh, if Congress sent him the bill, he would sign a 20-week limit. That was a bill there, there then. And then funding issues. And there are other issues, too. But by far and away, the most important issue was clearly the judges. And uh, believe me, when I talk to him, he's well aware of his role in that, and he's very proud of it. I'm sure he is, and he should be, because he was able to do not one, not two, but three nominations, and all of which went through, and every one of them appears to have hit that mark of staying true. And, you know, we've seen other Republican presidents make these nominations, and they be voted in, and then only to find out that when it comes to voting for these pro-life issues, they would go the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. sometimes sounding as liberal as those appointed by the progressive left. Very true. And one of the things that he did was very important uh, that had not been done before in earnest was to include top advisors that really understand the law, really understand how to examine the jurisprudence of a judge and see where they're headed, if they're in tune with constitutional principles or not, because uh, they didn't have interviews that said, well, are you pro-life? If they were pro-life, it wouldn't matter. 
in terms of how they would rule. What mattered is what their jurisprudence looked like and where they would likely end up. So that scrutiny on each one, each one of those justices was so important. So you had Leonard Leo from the Federalist Society, you had people at the Heritage Foundation and others, uh, and, and within the White House who were uh, experts at this, and thank God that they were and that they did such a good job. A good example is Amy Coney Barrett in the beginning, who was on the short list, uh, uh, was so wonderful, but she didn't have a record yet that was deep enough. So that's why she wasn't named in the beginning was the main reason. Wanted to give her a little bit more time to uh, compile a record of, of decisions so that there was a little bit more evidence about who she was. And now we really know. And now we really know. That's well said <laughs> because of the fact that she has weighed in on, well, if not one of, I'm certainly in my mind, it's the most important decision made by a Supreme Court, probably going all the way back to 50 years ago, almost 50 years ago, when mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade was passed through. I can't think mm-hmm. of a more significant decision made by any Supreme Court than what this overturning mm-hmm. the Dobbs case really brought about, not only in uh, this one issue, but how the ripple effects of that one decision mm-hmm. has impacted our nation. Oh, beautifully said. And I think, yes, it's in a direct um, chain of, um, from uh, human rights decisions at, at the Supreme Court level over time since the founding having to do with other other human beings that deserved protection and help. And I believe what you just said about the ripple effect is very, very true, that when we treat our, our precious assets as obstacles to be uh, eliminated and being put out of the way, it doesn't serve us as women. It doesn't serve uh, our nation. It means that we solve problems in a very different way, which is the elimination of the person standing right near you the one that's dependent on you even more so. But even more than that, our faith says that someone who was chosen for this world for a particular purpose to eliminate that can't help but uh, create dysfunction in our society in a ripple effect regard, but also what it does to us, to women uh, and people who love us internally in terms of our souls and our spirits, our physical bodies. So, you know, the ripple effects, I pray, and are working towards it will be will be beautiful and life-affirming and full of light rather than the darkness and pain that abortion is. And I love the way you've stated that. Uh, Marjorie, I know that as president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, uh, this is one of the largest grassroots organizations, a political pro-life group that we have in our country. How do you now, as we're looking at one year Saturday. Saturday will mark the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs case and the overturning of the Roe v. Wade. How do you see this next year shaping up for pro-life? Well, we got to this uh, starting place yeah, exactly a year ago. Since then, 24 states, almost half the nation, have worked to enact strong pro-life protections. There are not a whole lot more states that it's going to be easy to move into. The harder battles are ahead. Um, but we also have to protect the ground that we've that we've made. The left is moving in to try to change state constitutions in quite a number, nine of the states where we have enacted such strong protections. So it's it's offense and it's defense on, on the state level. And then when we get to the federal level, the presidency, that is of utmost importance uh, that the nominee on the Republican side be a very strong, clear pro-life president that will say exactly what they plan to do, and uh, he or she uh, needs to name um, what they will fight for, um, what limit, where will they draw the line. That's something we're very engaged in, and, and if that, we know that the other side has already claimed federal territory. They are working very hard to enact a law that would eliminate every single pro-life protection in the country on the legislative level for the, in, in the Congress. So, we, we cannot cede the federal field. Not only that, we have to work very hard to at least provide a minimum standard in the states like California and Illinois and New York and New Mexico. You name all the purple, all the red ones, I mean, all the blue ones. Children there, by mistake of geography, have no protection. Yeah. And it cannot be that you, um, that uh, where you live determines whether you, um, whether you live or die. 
So that's, that's right. the need for that president who uh, can lead a Congress. You know, we learned the hard way in this 2020 election that elections bring consequences. So the 2024 election is certainly going to bring a lot of uh, weight and uh, decision-making direction in uh, this whole fight, this whole battle. So we continue to pray for people like you who've led the way. Thank you, Marjorie, for what you've done and the courage that it's taken you to do what you've done and all of those that work with you. We so appreciate you. I know on this special day, you're uh, you're just being uh, called upon from uh, sources all over the country to, to give a word. Thank you for spending the time with us. Oh, it's been a blessing for me, and thank you for those prayers for for not just me, but all, all the people working in this movement. And it, uh, right now is a moment for it to expand, expand, expand. So thank you. Thank God, you for letting me yes. be God, happy. God bless you, Marjorie. Thank you. Thank you. That was Marjorie Dannenfelser. Of course, Marjorie, as you heard, is with the Susan B. Anthony Super PAC. And it is something that uh, this magazine or this newspaper in Los Angeles, The Times, credit her with being one of the more influential voices in really affecting President Donald J. Trump when he was uh, running, that he made the commitment that he was going to only appoint justices to the Supreme Court who were pro-life. And that's why she's given that kind of credit. And on this day that we're looking now, celebrating actually tomorrow as the anniversary, one entire year since Roe v. Wade was overturned, that, of course, a result from the Dobbs case, uh, it is without a doubt a day that uh, uh, both sides are looking at intently. If you're a pro-life person like I am and have prayed for years, it is a day to celebrate and indeed a day that some people thought would never happen in our lifetime. Uh, if you're not, then it is a day that is uh, really hated and the I guess you could say the place that people thought they had as a safe and secure point for abortions that day ended, and it is now no longer a federal mandate. It is up to the states to decide. Well, coming up in our next segment here, we've got uh, Albert Moeller. This is actually from The Briefing, a podcast that I listen to regularly. Albert is talking about the big stuff that came out in April with a judge ruling on a most important issue, something that Vicki Matthews and I will be discussing in segment two, and that is chemical abortion. This is Reverend Al Moeller from The Briefing. And federal judge Matthew Kismarek handed down a decision saying that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, had acted hastily in approving a specific abortion drug. It happens to be the most popular drug used in pharmaceutical abortion. Judge Kaczmarek's ruling says that mifepristone was approved wrongly by the FDA, and basically, if allowed to stand, this federal judge's ruling would have a nationwide effect in terms of at least putting on hold the sale and distribution of this abortion medication. Very, very interestingly, and we'll have to look at this more closely in days ahead, this federal judge went back to 1873 in what was known as the Comstock Act, and that act prohibits mailing anything that is, quote, obscene, lewd, lascivious, indecent, filthy, or vile, but the bill also states explicitly that this federal law prohibits, quote, every article or thing designed, adapted, or intended for producing abortion, end quote. There are going to be some really huge considerations in this story, and it is coming fast and furiously because here in Texas you had this conservative federal judge who handed down this decision that stays the Food and Drug Administration's approval of mifepristone for use in abortion. It doesn't totally forbid the use of the drug, but it puts a stay on the drug in terms of its prescription for the use in bringing about an abortion. And two things are important there. Number one, that's the main use of the drug. Number two, that is now the main mechanism for abortion in the United States. But then you had another federal judge, in this case on the West Coast, hand down a decision that basically amounts to the opposite, at least in terms of the states covered by that federal district. A lot to consider here, and today is likely to include some new developments on this story. The bottom line is that Christians have to understand that this drug is basically a human pesticide. 
We also have to understand that there's a story behind this drug, and as you might expect, it's not a good, wholesome, happy story. It's a story about the deliberate, intentional devising of a pill that would terminate unborn human life. So we'll be talking more about that in days to come. That is just the first of the big news stories, as I said, likely to continue unfolding today. And the Biden administration has already appealed Judge Kaczmarek's decision going to the Fifth Circuit. Now, that Fifth Circuit is a basically conservative circuit. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, not only in the next several days, but perhaps even over the next several hours. But as important as the abortion pill issue is, it's also important to understand that the abortion issue writ large is right now, before our eyes, in real time, transforming American politics. And here's where Christians, particularly pro-life Christians, are going to have to pay some very close attention and do some very hard, fast thinking. So it comes down to this. Last Tuesday, Janet Protosewitz, a liberal Wisconsin judge, was elected. You'll recall, we talked about this extensively. She was elected to a 10-year term as a justice on Wisconsin Supreme Court. That effectively gave liberals a majority on that court, and Judge Protosewitz ran on the issue of abortion. Now, I believe that was contrary to any basic understanding of judicial ethics, but nonetheless, she did so, and she did so very successfully. What we did not know when we discussed this issue on the briefing is that the margin of victory was actually 11%, and that this was a record turnout for a judicial election, Supreme Court election in this case, in the state of Wisconsin. And so you immediately have people drawing some very big political conclusions. And these are conclusions directly at odds with the pro-life agenda and pro-life hopes to preserve unborn human life in the United States. And so what we're looking at now is the fact that the Wall Street Journal runs a column by Kimberly Strassel with the headline, The GOPs, that means the Republican Party's abortion flop. The subhead in the article, a Wisconsin Supreme Court drubbing is the latest indication of the need to find the sensible middle. This is the kind of article I just want to alert you that we're going to see over and over and over again. The argument is going to be coming with increasing force that if Republicans hold to a consistent understanding of the dignity and the humanity of every single unborn life, and thus the defense of that life, that it will mean political and electoral disaster for the Republican Party. Now, if you just go back to early last summer when the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court reversed the Roe v. Wade decision, you had pro-lifers immediately jumping to the conclusion that the battle was over. Now, we warned about that at the time. It really means that the battle has only entered a new and more intensive phase, because what we're looking at now is the necessity of fighting these issues state by state. And that is where we have discovered that there are really at least three or four different kinds of states. That was Reverend Al Moeller from The Briefing. You can get that any day by going to the website albertmoeller.com and look up for the words The Briefing. You can also sign up, have his briefing, his daily program, sent to your inbox each and every day. I do it. I love it. I listen almost every day. We'll be back in a moment with our next segment talking to Vicki Matthews from Choices Women's Clinic, That comes up in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855 481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Here on the line with me right now is Vicki Matthews from Choices Women's Clinic. Oh my goodness, uh, it is hard to believe, Vicki, that already a year has passed since that fateful day when Roe was overturned. A lot of anticipation had gone into the Dobbs case, and as it turns out, those three justices that had been nominated by President Trump 
they uh, made a difference at the end of the day, didn't they? They sure did. And, you know, it's, um, first of all, it's incredible to have a good day to celebrate, right, Mike? Yeah, like, it really is. We need a day. Thing. We need a day to celebrate something. That's always a really good thing. But, you know, it's, um, I don't know, when I think back on last year on this day, it's really incredible because, um, wow, like, I'm not sure we were all really fully prepared for that. And then when it happened, it was just so incredible. And it's such a historical day, really, Mike. It really is. That, you know, can't we all look back and say, where was I when that happened? What was I doing? I can remember every detail of that. I can as well. And it's one of those things that I think even history will will paint the importance of this day. When you think about it, almost 50 years, not quite, but almost 50 years since it had been passed to begin with and that it's overturned. So, And not only was it overturned, and as we are kind of celebrating that, if you've just tuned in, on the line with me is Vicki Matthews. She's the executive director of Choices Women's Clinics in the uh, Orlando area and soon to be in the Kissimmee area as well. So that's yes. pretty exciting. But as we think about that, the the importance of this day uh, it just kind of ramped up the pro-life movement. We are still having to be vigilant. We're having to be involved in legislation because, as we've all talked about before, it didn't end abortion. It just kind of kicked the whole thing back to the states and to the people, as opposed to mm-hmm. having a government, a federal government umbrella over it that just kind of made it the law of the land. And are you surprised at all by some of the, let's say, the left's reactions to it? I bet I'm betting you're not surprised at all, right? <laughs> I would like to say I'm not surprised, and in some ways I'm not. But oh, yeah, it's it's intense. I mean, you know, from a, a pregnancy center. Uh, level of view. Uh, You know, we have had some uh, really horrible Google campaign smears uh, where, you know, they um, deploy groups of people who go on and write really bad reviews, uh, fill up our books. uh, You know, we do self-booking for appointments, and so they'll go on and fill fill up our books with fake patients. Um, You know, that's playing really dirty. I... Mm -hmm. You know, what What can you say about that? So, yeah, we're a bit of a target, but, you know, Mike, sometimes that really is good news that we know we're doing something really well. That's true. You know, that has happened a lot of times. You really know if you're on the right track by the kind of resistance and pushback you're getting from the other side. And uh, they certainly took notice because I know that even locally at the abortion clinic on Maitland Avenue, that there has been almost a new, fresh call to action on the part of the left, and you know they're not—they're uh, not sitting back and they're not taking this this law that they thought they had in their back pocket. They're not taking the loss of it without uh, a fight, and now we're dealing with things across the nation that are are sad. I I just talked uh, last week with somebody about the abortion pill, the chemical pill, and most of what is happening across the country today, it's diverted to that form of abortion, right? Yes, uh, chemical abortion um, has been around for a while and certainly been on the rise. But, you know, with restricted abortion laws and uh, taking a culture from abortion on demand, really, from the road decision to what we currently know state by state, right? Um, right. It, it's just a whole new day. And so it, it does facilitate a culture where, um, you know, there is a desperation to get those pills and with an agenda on the pro-abortion side that just wants to get those into the hands of every person, even pre-row, but now even more post-row, especially in the states where there's more restrictions, uh, you know, that's, that's the agenda. And so, you know, when you think that abortion pills were at 55% uh, prior to Roe, it'll be interesting once we get through this whole year in 2023 
there's predictions it'll be as high as 70 percent. Now, I know that you keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on locally with regards to our own clinics, the Choices Clinics in Orlando. But Mm -hmm. there's also the aspect of the, the people those that would be wanting an abortion, the ladies that are finding themselves in an unwanted pregnancy, and the kind of reaction that they are having. What have you seen that has been different, if there is a difference, this past year from the clientele Mm -hmm. standpoint, as opposed to just what we all hear in the news? Yeah. I mean, there is a difference, Mike. I I feel like, um, you know, some women are just not knowledgeable at all of what's going on. And then I would say, you know, the other three-fourths of them are concerned that, oh, can I have my abortion? When can I have my abortion? Is there a law about my abortion? So, you know, they hear things in the news. They may not understand it all, but they know that, you know, it's a well-publicized issue today, right? And it's a very political issue. It's become a very political issue. And so, you know, people are kind of scurrying around and what can I do and what can I not do? And so, you know, I think it's important for listeners, especially if you're in the state of Florida or understanding what's going on in your state, because, you know, in Florida, we rolled back abortion with a trigger law that went into effect a few days post the Dobbs decision. And we rolled back from 24 weeks, which is very late term abortion to 15 weeks. Um, but you know, current, currently, you know, what, what we see is people who are, are confused on that and, you know, what's really happening, but in the state of Florida, it actually, our numbers in 2022, Mike increased by 3%. Mm-hmm. That is so, really sad. Yeah. So what does that say to us? It says we're trafficking abortion to other states that have more restrictions. That's so right. You know, when you find states that have restrictions, pro-abortion people are paying people to go to other states. They're flying them there. They've accumulated funds to kind of, well, we have to help these people get their abortions. So, you know, there's lots of work to be done, right? And, And on the other side of that, of course, for us at Choices is that woman and man who finds themselves in a place that they never wanted to be and providing quality medical services uh, for them to make a healthy choice, to be informed, to be mm-hmm. empowered. You know, if you could, Vicki, I think it'd be helpful for our, our listeners who really aren't that familiar with what uh, a, a group like Choices would do on an average day. From the, the time the place opens in the morning to the time you close your doors, can you kind of give us a snapshot of some of the activities of that day at Choices? Well, our our books are usually filled uh, with those who are seeking abortion. We really uh, strategically reach those who are abortion seekers. And so many of those who call us to make appointments uh, believe we are going to help them have an abortion or uh, they're going to get an abortion. Um, you know, it, it, they're making some assumptions. We're not, you know, deceiving them in any way, but they make assumptions and they come into our beautiful clinics and they are treated with kindness and respect and dignity. We are providing a safe environment for them, Mike, to uh, get informed and become educated. And so that is done through a really professional process and um, it's busy. And so, you know, they come in, um, they'll have a confirmed pregnancy test from a medical professional, a nurse. Um, If they're far enough along, they will be given an ultrasound. They will be educated during that ultrasound what they are seeing and understanding a viable pregnancy in order to even consider abortion and how medically important that is. And, um, you know, loving them. Providing, providing a service free of charge and caring for them, having a spiritual conversation with them when they're open to that, praying with them, um, you know, sharing the hope that is within us. And that, um, that hope is there 
and it's there in spite of all that's going on. Now, I know one thing that has also kicked up, not only chemical abortions on the rise, uh, the pill being sent out, it can now be sent out, really, cross state lines without any concern uh, of being, uh, let's say, charged with some sort of federal mail crime or whatever. So that's there. But then there's also this this aspect of uh, this thing called Jane's Revenge that's added another little spot of concern across the country. There have been several clinics that have been targeted with either uh, violence against the clinic, against the building itself. One was firebombed up in the New York area. Uh, there have been other lesser serious but still bad kinds of reactions uh, on, against other clinics uh, how do you see that one? Has that one uh, kind of ramped up or, or is it stabilized or do you feel like things are more quiet than before? Yeah, I mean, that that first month post row or first couple months, there there definitely has been more of that, um, you know, and and we hired some off duty policemen, too, because we were concerned, mm-hmm. concerned for our buildings, concerned for our staff. Um, you know, we didn't have any issues here in, in our clinics, but I have friends who've served in these other locations that, that did have some issues. And so I do feel like, um, it was more in the forefront then, and it is still happening. I mean, they're, you know, they haven't gone away, but, but I do feel like it is less right now. Well, that's good. That's good news. Now, regarding what many states are trying to do, and we hear the word codify, it's uh, often brought up in news reports about different state legislatures trying to add language into either state constitutions or adding laws that would, in quote, codify abortion as part of like the natural law of the state. In Florida, I know that our governor is uh, has been very supportive of the pro-life agenda and uh, is respectful of all life. And yet we also know that there's potential change down the road, obviously, if uh, with his running for president or even the fact that he's in his second term now. Uh, what do you see happening in the state of Florida with regards to that? codifying that law yeah well i say all eyes are on florida that's for sure we have a lot going on because governor DeSantis did sign a bill uh, to roll back abortion even further to six weeks however that is a law that is not enacted at this point um, that was recently signed a few months ago because there is an injunction on it that has to be reviewed the 15-week law that went into effect has to be reviewed by the Supreme Court of Florida. Mm-hmm. And they have not scheduled that hearing yet. Um, and so that's not great news. They will have to schedule it at some point, right? They will have to begin hearings and go through the process that they go through. And um, assuming they would vote in favor of the other law that is on the books, then that would make the fifteen, uh, the six-week law go into effect. So that would be a big, a big decision for Florida to roll back abortion from what a year ago was at 24 weeks all the way to six weeks would would really change the trajectory of our services, certainly at Choices Women's Clinic. But there's also a voter ballot uh, coming our way, it sounds like, for 2024 uh, that would um, legalize abortion through nine months of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, would a voter ballot, Mike, um, h- how much clout would we have? Florida's a big state. Um, you know, <laughs> what will that look like? A very scary to even think about. We could even get that to a ballot. But if they can get enough signatures, um, that can that can go there. And similar type of ballots that may not be in that one particular realm of abortion, but things like gambling. We know that across the country, there have been groups that push through surprising bits of legislation by putting it on the ballot because so much money is funneled into those efforts. They are well-funded, and we have to be aware 
that without a doubt that is going to be the scenario that faces this fight in Florida. There's going to be a lot of cash thrown toward it, right? That's right. That's right. So there's yeah. not a, not any less uh, or lack of things to pray about. There's much going on. But on this day, uh, as we heard in our first segment from Marjorie Dannenfelser, who is credited by, credited by the Los Angeles Times as the woman who brought down Roe. <laughs> I still <laughs> laugh when I think about that expression, but and she did too, by the way. But uh, at any at any point, uh, there's a, a whole bunch of people in our country that are working hard and maybe around the clock uh, to try to get some of these laws codified into the state, trying to get them on ballots, like what's happening here in Florida. So the, for all believers need to be praying, right? Absolutely. Praying and supporting the efforts, legislatively, volunteering at your pregnancy center closest to you, being a financial support to those uh to groups like us that, you know, really um, are 100% donor funded. All those things, Mike, are yeah. just so important. But, you know, really praying each day for, you know, the situations that, that happen that are, you know, really hard for those who find themselves. They're not, they're not concerned about, you know, that law. They're in a place they don't want to be. And they're making a decision that, we wish they didn't have to make. That's right. And many times they wish they didn't have to make. And yet uh, with our laws, our laws will dictate some of the decisions that are made and some will choose to go outside of that law as long as there's an opportunity, yep. you know, to have pills sent to a door or get them on a black market or whatever that may look like. And so, you know, Making abortion unthinkable is different than making it illegal. Mm -hmm. We have a ways to go to make it unthinkable, but hey, let's start with making it illegal. That's know? right. And let the change happen, first of all, in our own hearts that we commit to pray to that's a God right. who is able to move upon the hearts of every being. And uh, that's what we're praying for. Vicki Matthews, thank you for being with me in this segment. As we kind of celebrate looking back now one year post-row, the changes, the things ahead, the challenges ahead. My goodness, there's a, a lot to be thankful for, and we want to take a moment to do that. Thank you, Vicki. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mike. You too. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Making a return appearance here on our program. So excited to have Teresa Krager. She's an author. She's published an amazing pro-life picture book called before your birthday. Teresa, welcome back to my program. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Now, I know that you're part of one of my favorite organizations, and that is Samaritan. You know, at the NRB just recently, Teresa, I don't know if you had a chance to come down to Orlando for that one, but uh, Joel Noble from uh, Samaritan was there, and I had my first face-to-face -face interview with him while at the NRB, and that was a lot of fun. We've talked on the phone, just like you and I are doing today, uh, several times. But to be there face-to-face, -face, that was always great. Wish you could be here in our nice liquid sunshine that we're having today here in Orlando. But uh, we'll, we'll deal with the phone, and so glad that you've been able to join us. Again, welcome back. Thank you. I'm enjoying the Arizona sun as we speak. Oh, well, that, that's really, uh, yeah. We're in a, I don't know what kind of weather pattern we're in here, but it is nothing but rain and uh, clouds for the last couple of days. Every now and then, a nice Florida sunshine poking through, but we will charge on and not worry about it. Tell me a little bit about, before we talk about your books, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Samaritan. Yes, I got involved in Samaritan ministry when I made the decision to retire from teaching after teaching kindergarten and first grade for 27 years. Um, I was My husband and I were checking out our options, and we found that as we looked into 
you know, typical medical insurance, we found that, um, number one, our money would go to support abortions, and number two, it was very, very expensive. So we had a physician friend who was also the father of 10 children recommend um, Samaritan Ministries to us, and uh, we highly regarded his recommendation and checked them out, and we found that they were you know, we were very impressed. They were they were grounded on biblical principles. Um, they have a desire to further the kingdom of God, and and they give believers a hands-on opportunity to bear one another's burdens and look after one another. You know, they they stress the importance of community, where the body of Christ gets to share one another's concerns. So that is we were, really yeah. That whole that whole uh, every month when you send in your share. You don't send it to the company. You send it to the people along with a note praying for them. That's that's a unique thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. You're sending it directly to a person. You know, you have a name, you have, you know what their need is, and you are able to pray for them, share them, uh, send a note of encouragement and share, help share with their financial, their expenses, their medical expenses. Yeah, I, uh, it sounded too good to be true when we were part of Samaritan, and I'm telling you, it, it, it we found out that it was true, and that all of the things that are said, I, I guess one of the things that was so hard for me to get my brain around was how they were going to be able to keep all of that organized the way they do, but they, they do a good job of that, and it's really doable, it's easy, it's always punctual, it's timely, and you're able, like you said, to send in a portion. It's not a premium. It's not, this is not insurance that we're talking about. It's called sharing. And this, this whole concept, we've had a number of people, not just Samaritan folks on, but a number of others, uh, ministries like that. Uh, In fact, there's an organization that oversees most of these ministries. And I've had the person that gives oversight to that on my program before explaining the concept of shared responsibilities as believers that we have. And this is a wonderful way to kind of walk that out, isn't it? Right. I mean, they've been around for 26 years. Um, There are more than $30 million, you know, shared each month, you know, with over 81,000 member households. So it's, you know, it's a solid ministry that is very dependable, and they've made it quite simple. The process is simple, you know, for you to share your your monthly, send in your monthly share. Um, the staff is super helpful. There's no restrictions for networking, you know, for network restrictions, and they help you find great resources to find, they have great resources to find fair prices. Oh, yeah, they really do. Well, it's a wonderful organization. We'll give the contact information for them at the end of this segment. So if you're interested in finding out about Samaritan, and I highly recommend that if you're looking around for a health care option, please consider this. It's a great, and they're not paying me anything to say that. We, again, we benefited firsthand the wonderful benefits of Samaritan. Let's talk about you for a moment and your teaching career. Now, you said you taught first grade for, did you say 20 some odd years? Yeah, mostly kindergarten and first grade for 27 years, which left me with the motto, Dr. Seuss lives in my head, but Jesus lives in my heart. <laughs> I like that. So, you know, it was it was amazing what God did with, I never planned to be an author, but after I retired, he took my passions for studying God's word and for teaching, and he blended them together so that I now have the opportunity to write children's picture books, faith-based children's picture books. Now, how does that happen for somebody like yourself? You've been in the profession of teaching, uh, and to make the jump the way you did, and I would think, my memory serves me, if it serves me correctly, you did it pretty quickly from the time that you retired. It wasn't all that many uh, months or whatever until you had this idea about writing these books. How did that happen? What was the impetus that that made you think, hey, this is an option? Well, first, God started waking me up in the middle of the night with story ideas. So, you know, you, you need to follow where the Lord leads. So as I did that, it took about four years to figure out the business, to figure out what steps I needed to take to to join a writer's you know community, to attend my first writer's conference. You know, and I just watched God open doors, you know, and 
And even though things were scary, you know, to step forward at my first writers conference, one of the the main speaker talked about stepping, you know, where is God shining that spotlight, you know, and step forward into what he, you know, the door he's opening or where he is shining the light. And, and that's what I did. I just followed that. I, I um, was able to send a manuscript to an editor who said, who was impressed with it. They contacted me right away, said, if you don't have an agent, we recommend one. So that was an amazing gift because it's hard to find an agent for picture book writers, really. Um, and so my first book was published, the greatest, uh, no, the first book was called Before Your Birthday, um, which is a celebration of life right. in the womb. Which is why we have you on here today, actually, talking about that very book. And again, I think uh, all of us can m- imagine, but I, I, I really believe it's, it's important to stress the importance that we need to have opportunities to present these pro-life uh, options to uh, children today because they're getting a whole lot of voices and a whole lot of other pictures uh, aimed at them from the other side, trying to sway them, trying to confuse them, in my mind, trying to uh, tout them into a different uh, direction from a, a moral standpoint about life uh, and even about their their own identity. I mean, that's the big buzzword for kids as young as three and four years old. So even before you get them in kindergarten, a lot of schools are are really indoctrinating kids in this uh, other way of thinking. And so we need images like what you're giving the kids. How did you come about the idea of a picture book versus a regular novel? Well, my most of my experience has been with picture books, teaching kindergarten and first grade. Um, I, I, God has given me that ability to put together rhythm and rhyme. I've always done music my entire life. So when you put all those things together, um, I was writing picture books, things, my ideas, my sentences were coming out in rhyme, um, before your birthday was inspired, um, when my son and daughter-in-law were expecting their first baby. And I started, I learned about the apps that people, the pregnancy apps people put on their phone. And I was just in awe of the information that was out there. So I started doing more research and um, I, I just knew I had to, had to get this information out there to children, to parents, you know, whoever, because here was the truth about what was going on in the, in the womb. And, and that's what the book is about. It's, it traces the miraculous milestones of development of the preborn babies. And, and, you know, you get to celebrate those milestones. Like you hear the baby's heart is heard in five to six weeks and the mom's voice can be heard around 21 weeks. And, you know, at 27 weeks to have their own fingerprints and, God paired me up with this amazing illustrator. You know, what's more beautiful than for a child to open, you know, a picture book? And there is, there are correct yet child-friendly, beautiful illustrations of, you know, a baby at five weeks old and, and all, you know, straight going all the way through the pregnancy. Um, the illustrator did an amazing job. Well, what I love about it, I'm looking at the cover that you have, and it is really great. Uh, it is one of those kinds of uh, approaches to art that it really it, it humanizes that fetus. What what the world calls a fetus, we call a baby, yeah. and you know it it basically gives the proper sense of identity to a child that is preborn, and that's something that the world is not doing right now. And so, before your birthday is an, it's in full color, beautifully anim, uh, illustrated. And now your prose writing, that's something, is that throughout the entire set of books that you're writing right now, writing kind of in poetry? It's all in poetry. Every, all of my books have come out in poetry so far. <laughs> that's great. Oh, to be able to write in prose all the time, right? That, that's pretty cool. Now, do you talk well, that mean, way in, to your, uh, let's say, to your, your children or grandchildren or whatever that you have around you? Do you, do you talk to them? Uh, is this like every day in prose? Is, does it come that easily to you? Uh, no, no. Oh, good. Um, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. But rhyme is so helpful, you know, with little ones in their literacy development also. You know, as a teacher, we know that um, hearing those sounds and, you know, it helps so much 
it's connected and correlated an indicator of reading success later on. So having rhyming picture books for your little ones is, is a great asset. Well, again, the book is all about the stages of growth of a baby from conception to birth, and it's all told in rhyme. The name of the book that uh, Teresa has written is called Before Your Birth Day. And again, birthday in this situation is two different words. So right. uh, those though, that's the title, Before Your Birthday, illustrated and beautiful, I might add, uh, written by Teresa Krager. That's K-R-A-G-E-R. You can get this, of course, on Amazon and probably wherever books are sold. And uh, Teresa, it's really great to have you back on, especially on this day as we are observing now one year since the Dobbs case brought about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And what a day that was one year ago. And so it's really been a delight to have you on here today. And uh, talk about your book. Also talk about Samaritan. And we did mention wanting to leave our our listeners today with the address for Samaritan. And that would be SamaritanMinistries.org. SamaritanMinistries.org. And that's how you can find out. All you have to do is drop by there. And uh, it's really great to have a testimonial such as yours about this wonderful organization. Teresa, also give us your website. Yes, my website is TeresaCrager.com. So Teresa and Crager each have six letters, T-E-R-E-S-A and K-R-A-G-E-R.com. There's also some fun resources there that I've created. And um, you can also get my Adam Plus One picture book about the rhyming romp of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And I have a new picture book coming out in September called The Greatest Book Ever, a little book about the greatest book that is on sale, pre-sale at Lifeway.com right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Lifeway, great organization to be working with. And it's a delight to have you back on the program, Teresa. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you, Mike. God bless. And you and friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 